Hello and welcome to First Geek 411. I'm your host, Cameron Franklin, and with me as always is my best man, Chris Nicolay. Chris, how are you doing today? Hello. I'm good. That's all. Joining us <laughs> from Colorado is Emma. How are you doing today? Pretty good. No complaints. And then our far north correspondent, Shanine, how are you? Hello, hello. Doing pretty good. And then joining us for the very first time from Geek at Arms, we have James. Hello, everyone. And Mike, how are y'all? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Doing good. Really excited that we could have you on. Um, big shout out also to Chris for the six-person overlay that we got going on. And so, um, but yeah. So we're going to get to know James and Mike more in just one second before I do that. Um, listeners, as always, you can find us on our social media, which is One Geek 411 Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you, if you want to chat with us during the week, you can do that by joining our Discord server. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do that at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. And you can check our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com. You can watch live on Twitch every Monday night, 645 Mountain Time, and be part of the post-show chat. And then you can also find the videos later over on our YouTube then if you are a podcast listener, we would love it if you would rate and subscribe um, and leave a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. So, um, James and Mike, one of the questions that we like to ask our listeners um, when it's their first, or our listeners, our guests, when it's their first time on the podcast is, what is something that you are geeky about? Um, and this, and then give you all a little quick thing. We also then will do our favorite thing of the week. So if what you're geeky about ties into what you've been up to with this week, that's perfectly fine. Um, but James, if you want to start us off. Something that I am geeky about. Um, this will lead into our top three and some of our discussions later. I am geek geeky about medieval history. Um, whether it's reading uh, books by Bernard Cornwell or reading sword fighting manuals by Agrippa and Capafaro or Ken Mondeshine, or just binge watching medieval fighting movies and mostly fast forward and rewinding some of the best fight scenes from uh, Kingdom of Heaven, um, the, uh, the Princess Bride, and just so many more. Yeah, that's something that I love dearly. I was going to say, I feel like I recognize those names you said from Princess Bride. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Kingdom of Heaven you? movie. Just throwing it out there. Yes. And for me, uh, I mean, I share a lot of overlap with James, but uh, one thing, uh, I guess we also have this in common, is I'm particularly a really big nerd uh, in terms of the Star Wars role-playing game, very specifically the old 80s and 90s D6 edition. So love that rule set, love that game, uh, love the books, love the fluff. And yeah, uh, GMing a game of that right now. Nice. Dang. <laughs> and then y'all are joining us from Geek at Arms. Um, why don't y'all give our listeners who might not be familiar, what's, what's y'all's pitch of what your podcast is about? What all, what's a normal week look like for y'all? <laughs> Nervous laughter. <laughs> I, I, I laugh because 
uh, I don't know. We're we're thirty something episodes into the podcast, and I don't know if we've ever had a normal week. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, uh, as far as like what Geek at Arms is, um, we got a little a slogan. Like we're we're definitely camped right at the crossroads of geek culture and Christian faith. Um, and I mean, we the things that we geek out about. I mean, it just kind of covers everything but as much as we geek out about that we geek about about you know about the word and uh, just as much and uh, all our things that we love talking about and uh like a typical week or a typical show for us can have everything where we talk about uh star trek star wars we do a, a deep dive into lord of the rings lore or anime and yes. and just about everything <laughs> And to be fair, there is uh, there is one third of the podcast that is not able to join us this yes. evening. And uh, to be fair to him, he also really geeks out about uh, about film craft. And we're so mm -hmm. glad we have him when we do our film club series, because yeah. it, heck, I, I I'd listen to Brian talk about film, you know, just mm -hmm. on its own. But that that's that's just me. It's it, I feel like it's kind of like you know a uh, geek, uh, you know. Uh, uh, bragging so to speak uh when i can say that one of my co-hosts has his own imdb page <laughs> so, and awesome. that's it's kind of one of the things that we do is when we 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 kind of start off our shows by giving a little bit about what have we been geeking out to and then we do a deep dive on a subject and just see what we can sink our teeth into and analyze it from three different perspectives <laughs> and uh, and see what we can do about really unpacking some of the things in, in geek culture and Christian faith. Something that it, we didn't mean for it to become a repeating uh, segment, but it kind of did was our film club. And we just, it started off with like top three, was it, was it top three fantasy or top three sci-fi movies, Mike? I think we, I think we started off with, with science fiction, then yeah. fantasy, then animated, and then we're like, yeah. "Well, we're on a roll. We're just gonna yeah. keep doing this." <laughs> that sounds awesome. And if people wanted to find y'all, um, where could they do that? Uh, they can find us on our website at geekandarms.com, on Facebook at facebook.com/geekandarms, and our Twitter, which is we are Arms Geek on Twitter. Perfect. Um, and we'll go through those again at the end of the show, just in case people missed them. Um, and so I guess with that, let's jump into what all we've been up to this week. Um, James, why don't you start us off? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I have been uh, hip deep in the game The Witcher 3. Um, I, I have been enjoying it immensely. Um, I'm aware I'm about you know, five years late to the party <laughs> on that one. Um, but it's, it's always been kind of like, you know, on the, on the edge of my interest, you know, I see it pop up online and I see people talking about, it. I knew five years ago that it won like a bajillion awards, like every single award out there. And uh, recently about a, I say a month ago, I came into the market for a new game and there was a sale for it on the Xbox store. So the game of the year edition, all of its DLCs, 15 bucks. I'm like, nice. That's, that's the right price. I'm like, <laughs> I'll, I'll pull the trigger on that. We'll give it a try. And it's one of those, why did I wait so long moments? Because <laughs> it has been, it's been so much fun. Um, 
the 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 characters uh, the the graphics the story the plot the music all of it has i can see why it's won all of those awards it's just mm-hmm. been great and i thought i was nearly done with it because i you know explored all of the different countries i'd uh, done all of the side quests and the and more i'd found all the little question mark locations and i'm like okay it's a it's time it's time for the, for the big battle it's time time for the end game you know, I gather my friends. We're going to go to the Care Morin. We're going to defend, defend it. And, and yeah, it's that's that's not the end. It's that's not that's not the big battle. Um, there's a lot more apparently. It's not like, what you think it is. It, it really wasn't. I'm like, and it was. And while I was happy, I was also like, how much longer is this game going to last? <laughs> So I'm continuing to enjoy it. It's been great. I, I never did play either. I didn't play either The Witcher one or two. So um, I don't think anyone I, played I, the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally, fair. I don't think it's possible. Fair. <laughs> I I've known a little bit about this world that Andre shipped, whatever his name is, the, the the author has built. I read the first of the Witcher novels. I thought it was okay. I watched the TV series and I thought that was actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game's been fantastic. Um, other than that, uh, the last couple of weeks, as of this recording, uh, we've seen the uh, new season of Star Trek Discovery come out and uh, loving it. Absolutely loving it. Um, I've, I will admit, I mean, I've been a lifelong Star Trek fan, wasn't a big fan of the first season. I just, I just wasn't just was it wasn't my cup of tea the second season when they brought in christopher pike oh yeah i'm like that pulled me in hard uh third season we're a couple of episodes in been loving it it's been fantastic um my my only my only gripe with the show and i'll keep this short is that i wish it was more of an ensemble performance because uh the show as they've said they were going to do this from the get-go it focuses on michael burnham and which is fine, but I've always felt that Star Trek does its best when it really is an ensemble performance. And because I mean, my wife and I were watching it, and after watching for all these episodes, we're like, we still don't know the names of like half the people on the bridge crew. <laughs> I mean, so it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that's think true. that Tasha Yar in Next Gen was Lieutenant Shins for a while. I mean, that's. <laughs> Oh, but uh, other other than my uh, like and uh, high hopes for uh, Discovery Season 3, uh, just recently got a new laptop, which is always cause for celebration. And for the first time in months, I've finally been able to get back to playing Magic the Gathering Arena, uh, which I stopped because uh, I got to really enjoying it. And then I'd be in the middle of a match and my laptop would freeze. And just <laughs> shut down. Just, yeah. And I'm like, so, sometimes when I was winning, it was like, no. But sometimes when I was, you know, being destroyed, I was like, oh, no, it's a horrible shame. Oh, restart. <laughs> Either way, though, uh, I'm back to playing it. And it's it's fun. Nice. That's all for me. Mike, what about you? In terms of what I've been doing this week, it's uh, we took a little bit of extended vacation time. Uh, this the early part of this week and we went to went to the mountains there was a house that our church district owns and they said that no one was currently occupying it so we they said that we could occupy it for a few days and take a little mini family retreat and there was no internet 
there was no cell phone towers and it was lovely. There was foliage mm -hmm. and we had a duffel full of board games. Yay. So the, we, uh, we as a family kind of unpacked and figured out Root and we really enjoyed it. Have any of you ever played? Mm -mm. It's on my list. I've heard such good things, but I've never played. It's, it's a medium weight uh, adventure slash board game and it's asymmetrical to the point where the factions have different mechanics, not just different abilities, but it's, you know, mm. I, I, I was looking at the rules like, wait, how do I craft? And my wife was like, you craft like this. I craft like this. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and the, just the balance, despite the asymmetry, is I think is really pretty nice and the art is absolutely fantastic and it really contributes to the whole feel of the game. Like in the factions are all like animals, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is your what you are is you're a group of of animals that are trying to trying to assert different victory conditions in a forest you're basically waging a civil war in in this forest <laughs> and some of them are just trying to to out battle and and deploy troops and and kick out as many of the others as they can and establish as many bases as, as they can uh, the faction that i played most of the time was about how much can you get the sympathy of the villagers? Like how much can you spread your grassroots influence? And once yeah. you got enough mm -hmm. influence, whether or not you'd fought a single battle, you win. And so there are also some other cards that can alter your victory conditions just a little bit, but it was, uh, it was fantastic having these different sets of motives and abilities out there on the board. Nice. I'm intrigued. Yep. Yeah, me too. I should point out that Mike is pretty much my go-to source if I want any information on a border card game. You <laughs> seem like a pretty good source for it. I mean, he even bought a game based on me buying a game based on a, his recommendation. Now, <laughs> I, I forgot the name of the game and I accidentally bought a different one and uh, that's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, worked out well for everybody, really. Yeah, there I mean, go. we all enjoyed it by the end. <laughs> nice. Emma, what all have you been up to this past week? Yeah, not a lot exciting. Um, we had book club on Thursday, which was super fun. Um, I hung out with some friends via Zoom last night and played Among Us with them, and that was a lot of fun. It was the first time I was able to play that with, like, people I actually know. Um, so that was very enjoyable. And then for Halloween, I watched Frankenstein, the very old classic black and white one for the first time. And that was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Sus and Among Us? Huh? Uh, once, yes, I got evacuated at one point when I was very much innocent. Um, <laughs> and then one as imposter another time um, when someone had seen me vent, but it was like a two imposter round. And so we managed to like get them all before they were able to 
just like get me kicked out. So, yeah. Shanine, what all have you been up to? Um, a little bit of spooky stuff this past week. Um, had Halloween on my Animal Crossing island. It's very exciting. Lots of candy and pumpkins. <laughs> um, played Layers of Fear two. Um, so so many scares. So many what, scares. What is Layers of Fear? Um, so there's a series of two video games out for it, and basically you find yourself in a horrible place where something has gone horribly wrong and you're the only one left alive probably for bad reasons and you have to like explore and figure out what happened and endure endless jump scares perfect game for cameron yeah (laughs) absolutely i'll file that away on the not my thing list (laughs) (laughs) it's fun i like I'm Everyone just needs to constantly go. recommend scary things to Cameron. Just like, <laughs> he asks for recommendations, give, give him something scary. And um... uh, I'm, I'm a wimp with for scary movies. I don't go in for those at all, so I've got nothing. <laughs> See, this is why we watch Attack of the Killer Shrews for Halloween at my house. <laughs> it's a 1954 awful film that does just enough right that it's watchable and laughable and still quote unquote spooky enough that it just fills that wonderful niche. Mm-hmm. Um, on the semi-spooky scale, my husband and I started watching Truth Seekers on Prime today, which is a ghost hunting show with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I've seen the trailers for that, yeah. How is we it? watched the first episode and it's really enjoyable because <laughs> i was thinking about starting that too this last week but i had enough but one episode in i would recommend it at All this right. point oh okay Sold. <laughs> <laughs> and then scary in a different way i started NaNoWriMo yesterday which is national novel writing month and uh people all over the place, make a goal to write a 50,000 word novel by the end of November. And it's, it's a lot of words. And so far I am 3,492 words in. Awesome. Woohoo. Excellent. Yeah. What's like, you have like an overview of the, of the story so far or? Um, I don't super know where it's going. There's owls and foxes involved, though. I'm in. <laughs> Typical. Same. <laughs> 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 Got me intrigued. That's awesome. And I'm sure you will keep us posted as we go through the month on your progress. I'll do. We're going to have to put up a little percentage tracker somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make one of those thermometers they used to do, like, the uh, school <laughs> fundraisers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just pull it out. <laughs> I love that. I expect this now. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what all have you been up to? So this past week, uh, along with James, I got caught up on Star Trek Discovery Season 3. And 
definitely is the best season so far. Um, I definitely agree with him on aspects of season one, although I still enjoyed season one. Um, it just had set up for season, but season two definitely took the cake once they brought that out. Um, I've also been get- getting caught up on the new simulcast for uh, fall 2020 for anime. Um, and I think I might have the ones I'm actually going to keep uh, keep up with for the rest of the season. I don't know yet. <laughs> um, definitely Haikyuu because it's the best. Um, the animation is just top notch. The, the character development is top notch. If you need a good sports anime and you don't care about volleyball, you'll care about Haikyuu. <laughs> 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 um also uh got caught up on is it wrong to pick up girls in a secret dungeon (laughs) (laughs) okay walk me through this you're gonna gonna have to walk me through this yeah is is it on is that one on netflix yeah it's on crunchyroll it's definitely on crunchyroll which will have some news that i'll like my piece of news this week has to do with crunchyroll (laughs) but yes uh like it, it's one of those ones that's been like launched a little bit everywhere. There's some of the spinoff series, like one of the spinoff series was a prime exclusive. Um, but this is officially season three of the series. Uh, it, it, it's based in a world essentially where, um, where the gods live among their people, but they run guilds. The gods are in charge of certain guilds um, in this town and they explore a, multi-layered dungeon um and monsters get tougher as they go down it (laughs) really only season one has to do with the title (laughs) which i just looked season one is on netflix in the u.s so okay um but it it's all in all really good the most recent season is dealing with like um ultimately the discovery that some of the monsters they've been hunting may have human intelligence which brings, raises a lot of questions in in terms of how do they approach that and kind of even like the knowledge that some of the gods had regarding that and how moving forward and kind of the hope for for those monsters too and so i'm really liking season three and the themes that it's choosing to deal with um well you know the title says how to pick up girls it never says human girls so i mean if they're intelligent (laughs) kobolds and orcs and lava (laughs) monsters i mean hey whatever whatever you know you know whatever suits your fancy oh once again he beats me to the punch (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine i'm picturing brian as my dm he's like you're being attacked by three kobolds one has a bow is the one with the bow cute (laughs) <laughs> like is it is it is it a, a bow in the hair or is it a bow on the you know yeah that, yeah yeah that bow? yeah <laughs> describe this i need a little more detail here before i decide please I expand roll, roll a perception I roll, check <laughs> i roll charm you're a barbarian you have a three charm then um, the you fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this seriously i'm gonna try anyway this seriously sounds like a campaign I ran. It was glorious. <laughs> it's like the, you always have that campaign where your bar just literally does that every time they come across yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fun until like 
It just actually happened. Like it's one of those. Like, Wait, I did that. That was my idea. They, how do yeah. they know? <laughs> yeah, and the time that I was telling a friend, like, yeah, and he rolled a fifty-four to play music to persuade this this tribal judge. I was like, bards will do that. This was Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> They defeated the Empire through the power of song. <laughs> How it should have ended. <laughs> Seriously. Well, that makes that they makes the, the Christmas special the greatest Star Wars movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we need to get a treatment together for the next sequel trilogy. It, no lightsabers, it's all guitars. It's all, it's all guitars. guitars. <laughs> it's just he battles you the way. Battles Star Wars here and edition. There. <laughs> Ray will show you the way of the Jedi. I'll show you the way that rocks. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst script ever. <laughs> other shows, other anime I've been watching, I got caught up with. I ended up watching uh, Wakakeru. Um, or... Iwakakuru. Uh it's a, it's sports climbing girls. So this is another sports anime. It's a revolving around a girls sports mountain climb or yeah, like climbing team, like mountain climbing. And I'm really surprised at this show too. Um it kind of poses itself as the female version of Yao Peta or Yao Mushi Pedal, which is the <laughs> The road cycling anime. I really like sports anime, guys. I feel like that though. That's somewhere in this. What what studio is this out of? Just out of curiosity. Um, they I mean, are. But whatever studio it is, that their studio execs, they're like, and they've got just a big dartboard with all different sports and situations over it, and they just got. Okay, let's make an anime about high school girls mountain climbing team. Go. <laughs> and it works so like like because the thing about sports anime is they do a really good job about like focusing on the advancement in the sport but it's really all about the character development of the team and like and it's just they're they do such a good job like haikyuu i i could they make me want to play volleyball maybe kind of maybe but <laughs> i still would never do it like <laughs> Hey, if we get but, Brian on here, we can do three on three. There's no judgment. This can happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I was just surprised at that one. Uh, just two phenomenal sports animes running concurrently. And then there's also Yasahime for Inuyasha fans, the continuation of Inuyasha. Um, Wait, hold on. I'm just, okay. they're continuing Inuyasha? Yes, in a sense, like it's not Inuyasha anymore. It's about their like their next generation. Um, so following the did, Princess Half Demon Yasuhime, and did yeah, him and Kagome future. have a kid or something? Maybe, maybe. Okay, fair. Right. <laughs> I'm still he picked up a girl in a dungeon. Out. I'm still trying to figure out exactly who's who in the series. Um, but. There, there are some pretty direct correlations and stuff, um, but it starts off with the those from the feudal era and the you know half demons. Actually, like the three main characters end up in the modern era for a little bit instead of you know like Gome going through and ending up in the feudal era. It goes kind of the reverse of that in the in, in the start of the series, but then they end up back in the feudal era, and yeah, I. 
I'm watching it just to figure out where this is going. Um, and also it's just a continuation of Inuyasha. It's like, you have to pay attention to certain things and try to keep track of all the characters because there's a lot more now. Because there's I'm kids. sorry, I had a flashback to the old Toonami days. I know if anyone right? here remembers that, and I'm like, next, next they're going to be announcing a uh, a a Outlaw Star remake or something. That would be <laughs> pro that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I couldn't pass up starting this series just because I'm like, wait, like the just the art style in general. Like I was like, what is this? First of all, it looks like in Yuasha. Then I read about it. I was like, it is in Yuasha. Just. <laughs> It's getting the Baruto treatment, okay? And Yuasha's getting the Baruto treatment. Uh, <laughs> um, and so those are the ones I'm most interested in. There's a few that I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on in the first couple episodes, so I'm not sure if I'll keep up with them. Um, just way too confused. <laughs> um, probably just didn't have the attention span and paying attention to those. And yeah, so for the most part, that's what I've been up to. Yes. So for me, um, for Halloween, we had an outdoor socially distant party with some friends um, where we set up like a projector and like a screen and watched Hocus Pocus outside. Oh, Oh, Um, so cool. Yeah. Which um, we also on Sunday did a Fall Guys stream in which Shanine and I had discussion on our very different takes on Hocus Pocus. Um, Although we basically landed on um, Danny is the MVP. Like the like eight year old girl is really the most like knowledgeable person in this movie, and everybody else just kind of messes everything up around her. Um, Oops. But I actually saw that for the very first time at a drive-in a couple weeks ago, and I was watching this come together. I'm like, oh no, that school teacher who was seated in like the first few scenes, they're gonna go to her house and she's gonna have the whole lowdown on the witch. Oh, she just fell off. Okay, never mind. Yep, yep. she just never shows up again. <laughs> um, for me, Hocus Pocus is like my ideal like Halloween movie in the sense that it's like super like cheesy, which is exactly mm-hmm. like the type of Halloween I like since I don't like scary things. I'm still waiting for that sequel. Um, I think we all are really as long as they don't release that sequel in July like yeah (laughs) because why would you ever release a Halloween movie in July Mm. so as much as I've heard about it and know about it I'm gonna I'm actually gonna admit I've never seen Hocus Pocus it's it is it James how much do you like Swiss cheese sandwiches like just that that comparison's really throwing me, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> like it it's cheesy. I'm having it some has cognitive a lot, dissonance here. It, it's cheesy. There are a lot of holes in it, but you just go ahead and fry that up in the skillet, make it nice and melty, and enjoy the and enjoy the holes in the cheese anyway. Yeah. You know what? It's it does have Bette Midler just chewing up the scenery left and right. So that sells it to me right there. Yeah. You really have to enjoy it like despite its like plot holes. Fair. Like yeah. there's a whole lot of things that it just like, or like you, you got to be like me and just watch it with people that have all seen it, so you can just make fun of the movie as it goes, that kind of thing. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. It's just Dude. iconic. It's not good. Yeah. It's just iconic. <laughs> you are like you are going to see a film where there are three witches in Salem getting resurrected, and now Halloween something, and then the children have to save the day. You know what you're getting into. Just just buckle up and enjoy it. That, that, 
You know, if I could enjoy Ernest Scared Stupid, I think I'll enjoy this. Actually, do you know what my biggest problem with the film was? Wait a minute. This is in Salem in Halloween. Why does this not look like the Ren Faire and Halloween and convention cosplay? Why is this place not busting at the seams with Halloween? Because I have a, a follow-up question for that. If it's like Halloween and Salem, why are all the trees green? <laughs> also that like i noticed that this time for the first time like i was like wait there's only like one tree in the whole movie that has like orange leaves and those were painted on <laughs> yeah it's just like what what <laughs> it's actually salem the... oregon i'm sorry no, I'm just... <laughs> oh, no. oh the sad there you is... go I've, I've, th I said to myself this year, like, no, this time, this time I'm doing Halloween in Salem. I've been here 10 years. Salem's like right there. Why do I not go and enjoy this? And then COVID. So yeah. Yeah. So they, said, next year. <laughs> they said, Salem is closed. You, you do your Halloween someplace else. <laughs> I we do like, not want you this year. Yeah. I feel like there's so many, there's so many things we can say with, and then COVID. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't bring it down anymore. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Let's see. Other than that, get together. Also been still playing a lot of Genshin Impact. Um still getting the gotchas. Um not been going through that. You unlock co-op uh, yet? I have unlocked co-op. Okay. <laughs> and so um so we'll have to play sometime. And then Fall Guys stream got a crown. So that was great. Um shout out to Shanine and Justin. And we all played together. And Shane so, and Justin get crowns. No. Not even oh. close. As <laughs> yeah. hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then my last one, which is going to tie in to our first bit of news, is that started watching The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. And, and this is a mild spoiler. Baby Yoda, still adorable. Yeah. Mm. Uh. And so... Um, really enjoyed the first episode. Excited to see what all we have to come with that. And mm -hmm. so, as I tease, we'll get into our first news story. We have each brought one piece of news for the week. Um, and James, why don't you start us off? I will do so. But first, I want to point out, we are living in a time where we have both a Star Wars and a Star Trek TV show on at the same time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, words going to describe how much I'm loving this. <laughs> It's a good time so to on, be alive. Oh, it is a great COVID. time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, but uh, to the piece of news I have now, this is uh, kind of confirmed. It's a lot of places are saying it's confirmed, but uh, the the tweet that that posted this has been deleted and people are kind of back and forth on it. But the the scuttlebutt is the belief is that. On The Mandalorian, Rosario Dawson will be playing the character of Ahsoka Tano at some point in season two. And that's just made me the happiest little boy in Texas. I say, and I know I saw a, a fan like theory that Cal Kestis might be showing up as well from oh, Jedi God, Fallen Order. Yes. And so if either of those are true and or they're there together, mm -hmm. this just seems like the best thing. 
Mike I'm going to start an unfounded rumor that Ray Park will be reprising his role <laughs> once again and he'll die a third time. But, you know, that's... no, I'm not going to do that. How about not? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, I got to believe. Yeah, we got to we got to hope because that just would be too cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And I think that I've got the next piece of yep, news, go for it. which uh, I, I saw posted on the Big Finish website that Doctor Who, 10th Doctor, and River Song will become available this month. And for those of you who may not be following Big Finish Audio, they do really high quality audio fiction and they have the license to produce Doctor Who oriented material. And they've brought back both David Tennant and Alex Kingston to, to reprise their roles as the Doctor and as River Song. And I have to tell you that they, they had David Tennant back with three other volumes, with three episodes each, reprising his role as the 10th Doctor. And they knocked it out of the park each time. They and really they did. It's just so good. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with, with the River Song. How long are each of these? Like, it's like, because it's like three chapters. Like, so what's the. I believe they're, what are they, an hour each? I think they're about an, uh, roughly yeah. an hour each. And in previous episodes, it's been uh, the, uh, the Doctor and Donna and the Doctor and Rose. And the, the Dr. Donna dynamic was just incredible because they had them in the studio at the same time to keep that wonderful chemistry going. So they, they know what they're doing with these characters. Yeah. Big Finish is some of my favorite stuff for like that extra Doctor Who content. So I highly recommend it for Cameron after you <laughs> get caught up. If you want something to listen to and you just don't have anything else, I'd say go to that. Sounds good. And There's always something in the backlog. Our Emma. Doctor Who special. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's over on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. All right. My one little piece, I wouldn't really consider it news, but um, Paul Rudd handed out cookies to voters who are standing in line in the rain this week and it was just a fun little piece of cheeriness in the midst of the craziness that is the world it's just ant-man handing out candy to voters so <laughs> um if if that doesn't just lighten up your heart to some extent i don't know what does so yeah this made me super excited when i saw it yeah. And then like a lot of other celebrities posted their pictures and were like, where's Paul Rudd? Why wasn't he at my voting place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Paul Rudd. <laughs> or was he there and you, he was just too small for you to notice. Ooh. I just, yeah, put, that out there. just mm. put that out there. That's meta. <laughs> That's a great time for us to do a quick reminder to all of our United States residents to go out and vote tomorrow as of That's right is election mm -hmm. day <laughs> if you're listening to this on podcast form it's over yeah <laughs> yeah but or if you're watching this on youtube it's also too late but if you're watching live you can go and you can vote tomorrow and so 
then Shanine. Um, a new Spider-Verse skin for Spider-Man Miles Morales on the PS5 was announced and it looks amazing. Um, like, yeah, you wear the, his suit and then all of his animation changes as well. Like it looks like actually him from Spider-Verse mm -hmm. and in the fights you get all like the pow and like stars and it's really awesome. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'm, I was super It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know if it's going to be in the normal game or if it's like specifically when you're like wearing the suit, but they showed that he'll do the like, like when you swing up and fall, he'll do like the hands behind his head. Oh, as man. he falls that just like miles like miles does in spider-verse mm -hmm. like i love the touches that insomniac games has put into the into the spider-man suits it's a lot of work yeah <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> that that's just another reason why I've, I've been seriously considering making the switch from xbox to playstation mm-hmm this game is looking more and more awesome the more I see about it. You're guesting and... on the right podcast for someone to convince you to switch to PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold y'all to that because if I ever do make the switch, I'm going to need a new friends on the PlayStation network. We've got you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Four people right here. <laughs> and speaking of that, as of recording, we got eight days till Xbox Series X and 10 days until PlayStation 5. So. Have any of y'all been saving your nickels? Uh -oh. Dimes and quarters oh. to uh, to drop on one of those? So I've, I got been one saving, I've been saving my nickels and dimes for grad school, so <laughs> I can't get one, unfortunately. Gotcha. But you guys have nickels and dimes? Jeez. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm showing up at Costco and I'm paying all of the pennies. <laughs> yeah, I, try, I thought about, you know, pre-ordering one, but I rolled up and said, I don't believe I'll be putting that on my card. And I said, that's an expired blockbuster card. I'll see <laughs> my library card. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only I think only Cameron has managed to get a pre-order. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. But I'm gonna see about camping out. Or <laughs> fortunately it's Helena, Montana, so showing up bright and early in the morning. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, my my wife did not go for my plan of um, of getting rid of one of the children to finance. Oh. I, I don't know why. I mean, we've got two others, so you've got geez. a favorite copy of one of your kids. Exactly. But now apparently I'm on some government list. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. That was one really weird Google search. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I'm just trying to keep up with the lingo, and it's bad things, okay? It's bad things. I didn't know. That's what I was trying Sorry. to find out. It's dark kids. <laughs> Chris, what do you have for us this week? So, it's technically two things, but it's all related. Um, so, obviously, I've been keeping up with um, anime this week, and um, we did talk about it, or... 
I guess I didn't jump in because I jumped in a little too late. But Sony is in talks to acquire the streaming service Crunchyroll for $957 million. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's not a, it's yeah. just, it's just dropping the bucket for them though. Um, Sony's just making moves. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing, but they're making moves. Or well, they figure if they doing. don't, then Disney's going to. Oh, it, uh, I mean, yeah. that's true. And they also are still like, uh, so ultimately this potentially means really good things for Crunchyroll who licenses the most, um, subbed anime, subbed and dubbed anime, um, coming to the U S out of any other company also means that sony no longer has to pay them or uh use that or uh use other services to locate or and stream their own anime such as demon slayer um so this is very promising i don't know what it means still no one does hopefully they don't mess it up because crunchyroll is one of my favorite services don't know what it means for verve who might lose crunchyroll access to crunchyroll as a result or will just grow into something bigger, getting more access to Sony information, Sony stuff. Who knows? Yeah, um, because Crunchyroll does some amazing work. I, I'm hoping we keep that same vibe. Seriously, like it's the only way time because I mean the fact that you can get a subbed, a anime subbed a day after it's released in Japan is just phenomenal to me. Like that's a lot of work. For just 20 minutes and um and then not only that but they also fund a lot of the dubbing modern dubbings anymore um and they do some good dubs they actually really yeah yeah like i'm surprised that dub their dubs they have a good good they have good connections for good voice actors american voice actors for whatever reason and i think also it's just that they have a big community of people who love anime and they really brought anime to the forefront but they're also the reason why and uh the best part is is like currently netflix knows this too netflix knows how big anime is and netflix has struck uh, additional deals with four japanese and korean publishers um hopefully to uh continue emphasizing their um their anime library so crunchyroll really does need this acquisition i think to continue competing um and getting those licensing licensures um uh to better compete with netflix as they grow their own library um but yeah so all in all crunchyroll offers over a thousand anime shows it's a lot wow (laughs) that is a lot (laughs) they also stream east asian east eastern asian dramas if you didn't know that you can watch like korean dramas on crunchyroll that are subbed that highly i did recommend. not know highly recommend they also uh typically have anywhere about 50 manga titles that are active and you can read as they come out um they are a lot more than just they and it's just so funny crunchyroll started off as like a fan sub service which i love yeah, I didn't know that. We were talking in the Discord, and that was one of the things Greg had pointed out. I'd never heard that before. Like, I don't super keep up with that kind of stuff, but, like, that really surprised me. Yeah, they started off as, like, just a place where people can get fan subs put up and so people can enjoy anime. Um, granted, they got into some trouble for that because, obviously, nothing was officially licensed in the U.S., 
and obviously copyright's a big thing um but then they started licensing them themselves so they can release the fans the 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 subs and now they've grown into the biggest like place to watch anime which i love so much they are my favorite service ever and they've always been cost effective i think the acquisition by sony will raise the price of crunchyroll itself more than likely or free with playstation plus Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I like the way you think there. Stop the tracks there, but what if? <laughs> but what if? <laughs> um, but so obviously I, I'm also a big fan because uh I mean Netflix is doing their own studio stuff with anime. Um even most recently it's very obviously from the same studio that did the Castlevania animation. Um, they did Blood of Zeus, just launched on on Netflix. It's not bad. I think it does a good job at actually maintaining the weirdness that is Roman gods. <laughs> like, oh, that's weird. That was never not weird. No. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's not weird when you don't know. <laughs> Oh, I took Latin class when I was in high school and we were in the middle of, of translating Europa and the bull, which is weird. Mm -hmm. And so somebody in class just stopped in the middle of their translation, looked up at the teacher and, and said, did the Romans actually believe this stuff? And as she was opening, <laughs> as she was opening her mouth to speak, I, I raised my hand and she's like, yes, Mike. And I said, I believe in a pregnant virgin in a stable. <laughs> and then everyone just went back to translating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on how you frame cultural perceptions. It's of... true. But what I mean it, is like, it really is for some of us, like our introduction to Roman mythology was Hercules, the Disney movie. And yeah. it's not that weird. Like it even poses Hercules as the son of Hera. So, I mean, <laughs> You didn't know. That's pretty tame. You didn't know all, till you know. All of us kids thinking, "Wow, that hurt that that Zeus is a pretty good guy." Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 no. Yeah. And then for me, um, we got an announcement trailer for Ruined King: A League of Legends story. Um, which is a turn-based RPG where you'll play as um, some of the six characters from Bilgewater. And this news excites me because it involves two of my favorite things, which are League of Legends characters and then not having to play League of Legends. <laughs> and so I'm super excited, um, especially with this being a turn-based, like, like a, a, like, a turn-based RPG that's radically different than the MOBA. Like, I'm super interested for what this could be. Um, the trailer is very, like, Suicide Squad. Um, or at least, like, that was, like, the vibe I was getting. Um, and so I'm super interested in this. I haven't played League of Legends in several years at this point, but um, it does have some of my favorite characters in it. And so... I'm really looking forward to whenever it is that we get to see gameplay and it's supposed to drop in early 2021. So I'm excited. 
Um, do anybody else play League of Legends? I played I it once, like <laughs> four years ago. Um, I I know it inspires a lot of awesome cosplayers at PAX. Mm-hmm. I, characters are that cool. it does. I, I've seen many a meme online. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that Luckily, when I play I on was... my account with my friends, we win because I bring down the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, when I played, I was on a team with all my friends and they could tell me, like, press Q, press Q. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I did not know what was happening. <laughs> yep. An RPG sounds interesting to me, though. More interested. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I played a lot in college. Like it was the thing that like a, like our friend group did. And then once I graduated college, the idea of playing with randos just kind of didn't interest me at all. And so I just stopped playing. Still don't have a max level summoner. <laughs> just throwing that out there. It's great. <laughs> but I'm really excited, really hopeful for what this could be. Um, and so... We'll have more on that as it develops. Hopefully we'll get gameplay soon. So that brings us into a very special segment that we have um, kind of tying in with what James mentioned up at the top of the show. Um, We're going to have a a short little chat about historical swordsmanship. And so I guess for our listeners slash us hosts on the podcast, um, at least because I'm not really sure where this is going to go. What is <laughs> historical swordsmanship and what does that actually look like today? Excellent question. Mike, take it away. Oh, me? I've never done this before. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> historical swordsmanship is uh, really the idea of, of taking the practices and principles that were in place in the 12th, 13th, uh, 14th, 15th, who knows, whatever century you'd like, give it a historical context, give it a accurate, a reasonably accurate weapon in terms of uh, feel, heft, and response, and a couple of other willing participants who value safety more than just hitting the other person. <laughs> and so what we try to do is find existing sources that describe how these things happened and do our best to recreate what, how we think it was done. And you're never gonna have a perfect recreation because it's not a living art anymore, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun because if you, for me, I really enjoy the form of the rapier, which is if you like the Princess Bride and uh, you like talking about how you can duel your opponent left-handed, um, and mm-hmm. while bantering about uh, Capafero or Agrippa or uh, Benetti and all these other names that they toss out at random, they're actual people. And some of them wrote books to tell you mm-hmm. about their ideas about fencing. So uh, we get together with some safety gear and friends and we take out the stuff that will actually hurt people like breaking their arms and, um, <laughs> And and then uh, and then uh, basically play from there. Yes. And you have some other experience outside of of rapier and dagger, James. Uh, what mm-hmm. do you what do you, what do you do? I do all sorts. I uh, I wish I'd thought about it. Um, I actually have in my dining room both my rapier and my longsword that I use for live combat. 
And for those, you know, watching on the Twitch right now and will later watch on YouTube, I could have held those up. So my apologies. Um, I participate in a group called the Society for Creative Anachronisms. And if you think that's a mouthful, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, we shortened it up to the SCA. And basically, it is a medieval reenactment group that seeks to reenact life, combat, crafts, and everything that that entails from about the uh, 11th century till the 16th century. And it was, you know, a little before that, a little after that, you know, but those are like the, the set years that we put on the webpage. It's a nonprofit educational group. And... Um, there are some tens of thousands of us right now. Uh, the, all of the U.S. is broken up into separate kingdoms. And like the, the, the I live in Texas, and Texas and Oklahoma make up the kingdom of Onstiora. And there's the kingdom of the east. There's Kalantir. There's the Outlands. There's Artemisia. Uh, there's Merides. There's uh, Trimeris and more. We have uh, uh, Canada is a, uh, is a kingdom as well. Uh, Europe is most of Europe is the kingdom of Drakenwald and uh, you're like fact checking this Christopher right <laughs> totally. <laughs> hey, time, sounds like time to move to Europe to if I knew how to oh, spell yeah. half the stuff it'd be a lot easier <laughs> yes. like yes we come from Drakenwald where the history comes from and, uh, uh, and part of that whole uh, part, well, uh, Asia also has kingdoms as well and uh, there, I mean, you, every every continent except the southern one, um, uh, not South America, but you know, except you know, you know, uh, south the South Pole, ha Antarctica have have kingdoms on them and people participating. And part of that is also uh, combat, and we've got a couple of different styles of combat. Uh, the first is a chivalric combat, where you will actually put on armor, uh, a, a steel helmet. Gorget to protect the neck, uh, either leather or steel to protect the uh, your your kidneys and sides, elbows, knees. Uh, grab a shield and you will fight one on one with uh, or in a melee with uh, weapons made out of rattan that are made to in the shape of like swords, axes, spears, and so on and so forth. And that's full contact. That's you go at it and you hit your opponent hard enough that they call the hit. And I've done How that. How long does that normally last? Like, that seems like that can't last very long, right? Oh, it doesn't. Well, it depends. It depends on the skill level of the person. If they're really good, if they're both opponents are really good, it can last a while. If one's good and one's not, it's very short. If both are also not really good, it can also last a long time. I mean, it's it lasts not as long as a movie sword fight because no. <laughs> it's not about trying to look pretty on screen. It's about how do I keep myself from from having contact with the other person's weapon priority number one and priority number two make that other person have contact with my weapon as fast as possible yeah uh the other uh, style of combat the one i'd mostly take part in like mike is rapier combat and that's mostly using rapiers in the style of 15th 16th century duels and uh, the armor requirements for that are less. We just have to wear some type of uh, non-puncture resistant, or not non, but uh, some type of puncture resistant armor like over the body. The people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a a, a gorget to protect the neck and a uh, modern fencing mask. And hey, buddy. Um, and gloves, uh, cup, obviously. 
And for those, we actually use steel weapons. Like I have a 40 inch long Italian swept hilt rapier uh, that looks just like the ones that they would have had uh, in the 16th century. Little uh, bendier. They absorb a bit more of the shock, but yeah, they, they're made with modern materials. So uh, you're not going to really see any breakage and uh, they've got a good, uh, good bend to them. And uh, we use, you know, rapiers, uh, we use daggers, bucklers, uh, cloaks, uh, canes, all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, that one, we're just, uh, we're going, we're going for the, for the hit, you know, it, it's our, our rules are simple. If you get hit in the body or the head, you're dead, get hit in the arm, you lose the arm, get hit in the leg, sit your butt down. Hmm. And you keep fighting until, uh, and it's all on the honor system. And uh, you, you can't stab someone and say, I stabbed you, I stabbed you, you're dead. You know, nothing like that. Uh, but, you know, almost a lot of the people, for most of the people who come to this realize this is an honor system. And uh, we're there to fight honorably. That is part of it all. And we have fun with it. Um, another art that I have uh, recently taken up is the art of cut and thrust. It's like rapier, except instead of just stabbing, we're also allowed to do concussive blows and for that i've got a nice uh steel longsword that yeah, i had custom custom made for myself which i've just i'm in love with different safety regulations so you can't mm -hmm. swing a sword and especially like a, a longsword is really light but mm -hmm. the leverage on those is really really um you, you, sh you need to have a healthy respect yeah now when i say that we're trying to land a blow on our opponents i, I do want to preface that we're not swinging for the fences. You know, it's not, we're not swinging back like it's batting practice. I don't want to clobber the guy. I don't want to break him. I don't want to hurt him because ultimately I'm facing across my, against my friend. You know, this isn't like a medieval fight where it's to the death for real. I'm, this isn't for my life. This isn't for my family or for my future. We're friends at a tournament or a fighter practice. I don't want anyone to get hurt. And so while and I'm, don't I'm, play, don't play with anybody who's got something to prove. Yeah. Um, and so if people so, wanted to get involved in this, like in historical historical swordsmanship, man, I don't know why I struggled to say that, um, <laughs> where could they go to get involved? So if you want to do it through the SCA, go to sca.org. That will tell you uh, what, uh, you just you know, type in find my group, stick in your zip code, or look on the map, and that'll tell you what kingdom you're in. And if you're in a major city or close to a major city, I almost guarantee there is a, a barony or a shire close to you or you're right in the middle of. Um, and it'll give you all the information. There's Facebook groups for all the major groups out there that you'll be able to connect with people, ask questions. I mean, everyone there is there to help you learn. We love having new members. We love people coming in and giving it a try. And if you come in and think, oh, I don't know about all this fighting, perfectly fine if you don't like fighting if it's something you'd rather watch than do there are so many other things to do there's arts and crafts mead making. service mead making woodworking armor making <laughs> calligraphy uh cni where's the eating shire yeah. you always <laughs> okay. lead with the mead that's yeah that's... always lead with the mead food and mead always you got me. actually yeah i know many people who who are very well rewarded in the areas of food and drink making uh, because those fighters gotta eat something and yeah. right. <laughs> I was it, I was the happiest boy in the world when my wife learned how to make something that we affectionately call fighter biscuits. 
I know it sounds weird, and you're thinking like that sounds a lot like cram from Lord of the Rings. No, it's like bisquick and seasoning and ground beef, and it's so good. Which were all historically accurate. Yes, completely. Anyway, yes. Moving, on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Just buy that box of Bisquick. Yeah, that's... That's right. They've got... Yes. Right. It was called Spanish. Ye Old Bisquick. Oh, Thank sorry. you. <laughs> yes, they have several boxes on display in the Tower of London. <laughs> right next to the Ye Old Charmin and the Ye Old Mixmaster. The, the thing about the SCA is that it is recreation focused. And mm -hmm. so if you're not there to have some level of, I want to wear the clothes of the period and I want to, to play the role of a noble and you just want to fight, the SCA may not, if you just want to fight, the SCA might not be the yeah. place for you. Because uh, we do encourage that people make a, a persona, they research a specific time period and country, and they, they, they come as that. Um, for example, uh, before you get to my I, my SCA name is uh, Lord Ulrich Godwinson. I am an Englishman of Saxon descent from about the 12th, 13th, 13th century. Uh, my father, he went with uh, Richard the Lionhearted on crusade. My dad came back. Richard did not. And now we have to suffer under King John. So some people like that some people don't and if they don't and you still want to try some of that good old fighting michael tell you about it uh there's another organization out there which is more a network of homegrown organizations uh, that have come together under certain sets of common rules uh called hema which is uh historical european martial arts and their focus is primarily to look at the to look at the sources that they have from the centuries they study, to recreate the various arts, whether those be swordsmanship, whether they be hand-to-hand -hand tactics, um, dagger versus hand-to-hand, -hand, anything that is potentially either knightly or was the subject of, of historical treatises such as Scottish broadsword, that's a thing. And they don't really so much care about the historical dress, or they don't care about having a having a persona. They just want to study and they want to fight. And they have different <laughs> rules and different uh, and different scoring methods. And they're because fundamentally, this is and this is something people in the historical swordsmanship uh, community look at me askance. We are not fighting like they fought in whatever X century because we're not fighting to kill our opponent. We have a cooperative opponent who wants to, to play a game. So we do kind of have, well, first of all, sword tag. And second of all, this is a dead art that we're reviving. We're playing Jurassic Park and filling in. <laughs> uh, we're taking bits of the dino DNA and filling in the frog DNA for the stuff we don't really know for sure. And so it's, a, it's an approximation and a recreation. And if you want to do that, uh, I can't speak for every HEMA group. I, I'm not a member of HEMA, but I've worked with a number of people who are, and uh, they've been good to study with and, and fun to fight with. One uh, source I would like to point out, and I'm going to put this on the uh, on the Twitch chat, is that if you uh, just have a, a little bit of curiosity about period sword fighting and how it's being... Uh, revived uh, both in real life and on the movie and in movies and on uh, television, go to Amazon Prime and check out 
the movie Reclaiming the Blade. And you will see how uh, period swordsmanship has influenced uh, the choreography in movies like uh, like the old Errol Flynn Robin Hood movies, like The Princess Bride, like the Lord of the Rings movies, and what people are doing today uh, to bring it back to life. And thanks to my wonderful wife, you will see people use such implements as... Oh, there it is. Fancy. Oh, I hope you podcast listeners can hear how beautiful this rapier <laughs> is. Like, let's just describe it in detail. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, this is my 40-inch uh, swept hilt rapier. This comes from a company called uh, Darkwood Armory. They do fantastic work, and I love it. I've And my more recent one... That is actually a really good piece of work. Um, again, what you what you podcast listeners cannot hear is James is holding up a longsword, which is you might think of as uh, from the movies as a two-handed broadsword. Um, yeah, those are really nice. cool. Uh, the longsword comes from another uh, company called uh, Castile Armory. Oh, they're that- so good. They're very good. Uh, if you're in any type of reenactment community, you already know those two companies, and you either own one or you are saving your pennies for one. <laughs> and uh, and for all you listeners at home, please do not go to these companies and just buy them and decide to go hog wild with your friends. It's, it's don't don't do <laughs> probably this smart. Training. Yeah, yeah. Buy a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> or or if I may point out, if if you if. Historical historical swordsmanship isn't something that you're like. Well, I kind of like it, but I'd rather just kind of you know have fun. You know what? Find a LARP. You know sure. they're all over the place, and the 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 cost the, to get into them and to play with them is sometimes a lot cheaper. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now. I own a couple of foam swords that I fight with uh, for fun and with my children. They cost a heck of a lot less than this behemoth. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's also you know something fun, something fun to start with, and you can also just go you know pale male whale on your friend and not have to worry about it. Awesome. That went for way longer than we meant to do. I, we apologize. No problem. It was very cool, um, and it serves as a great segue into our top three of this week, um, where we are doing our top three swords. Um, and so before we get into our responses, we have some Twitter responses. So from Josiah Hawthorne, he says, um, this is one, this is my favorite. Her name is Van Morial. Um, and then posts a picture of what I'll describe as a broadsword. I say not knowing anything about the classifications of swords. It's movies. It doesn't matter. But, <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, movie sword typology is a is a is a dark and and dreary <laughs> wasteland. Sure. And then uh, from Justin, um, he calls out Oathkeeper from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oathkeeper. Um, and then Blades Swords from Blade. That was pretty cool. And then he says, I'm counting Darth Maul's lightsaber as a sword, so deal with it. Um, Fair enough. We got Geek at Arms chiming in with I'll allow it. And I would like to use this time to remind everyone of the first rule of top threes, which are 
or which is there are no rules. <laughs> so if you can justify it in your head, it counts. And so with that said, um, James, what is your first sword? I'm glad the lightsabers came up because since there are no rules around, I decided to disclude lightsabers for myself. Because if I have a choice between anything and a lightsaber, I'm going to choose the lightsaber every time. It's just too easy. It is. So, I mean... <laughs> I've got a lightsaber on my list, so, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, it's an elegant weapon from a more civilized age. Man, this one was tough for me, let me tell you. I mean, I, okay, I... Uh... I Limited love swords. to three, James. Limited I'm trying to. Three. to yeah. I mean, okay, you saw two of mine. But I mean, I've got a lot of swords myself. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got a lot of swords. All it's right, just within reach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just in this desk right here. Um, so uh, I'll I'll start it off with um, with my honorable mention, and that is Glamdring. Uh, from uh, obviously the Lord of the Rings, it's a beautiful, beautiful sword, and it should be on on, on just about anyone's list. And uh, you know, it, they, they describe it as you know beautiful in the books, and then when you see it in the Peter Jackson movies, like oh, I want that hanging on my wall. So, you meant hip. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Well, we're actually speaking of that, we're going to get to that. Um, so my number one is uh, Anigo Montoya's rapier from The Princess Bride, obviously. When he shows that, it is such a thing of beauty. It's beautiful and yet perfectly functional as a rapier. And it just look you, you can't help but fall in love with it when you see it. And especially the story that he tells behind it about how his father crafted it. And then he was killed and Inigo took it to revenge his father. And yeah, it's it, there's there's so much history and romance just bound up in this blade. It's so wonderful. Quick question. In your, uh, yeah. in your, in your sports sword fighting, if you get stabbed by a rapier, but you say, my name's Inigo Matoya. You get my father. Prepare to die. How many times do you have to get stabbed before you actually have to die? <laughs> there's <laughs> actual get, lives. There's you actual get historical it, 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 it's that It's that cheat code, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk in the post show about exactly that. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. If you pull that and, the, and your opponent uh, says, okay, fine. And if they keep stabbing you, though... I don't want to get stabbed that much, so I'm probably going to call it the first time. I, I did have somebody in a tournament. I hit them in the head, and they said, oh, that was kind of light. I don't know if that actually counted, and I, I just stopped, and I said, so I just want to understand. You want me to hit you harder <laughs> in the face. I was like, you know, Some I think I'll count rude. it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think I know the guy who did that to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I, like I said, there's there's the honor code, and I have been at a tournament where I literally heard someone yell out, "Light to the left eye." <laughs> oh jeez. Oh jeez. That's okay. what, that's when you hear the wheels screech to a halt in everyone's brain and go, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Oh. Calibration tech. Anyway, moving on. on. Mike, what do you got for your number one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my oh sorry my quote of you got for the number one sorry uh the my number one i'm i'm going with glamdring uh it, it is as you said a beautiful weapon it looks like a functional longsword little bit of fantasy play in it but the thing's pretty much a, a gorgeously rendered almost real sword uh, my number two is a oh, big just one at a time oh, we're gonna sorry. we'll go through oh sorry uh, we got to build the suspense. Oh, terribly sorry. <laughs> wasn't in the, wasn't in the notes. Sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um, Emma, what do you got for us? My first is Brissinger from Aragon, because yeah, yeah, it's just the image of it that I created in my head when reading the books was just so pretty, and it's it has all these cool. I mean, I don't know the fancy schmancy terms for swords or anything but um it's like a movie. The, who cares yeah excuse you the movie doesn't exist it's no, just it's the like, books no, no, oh, like, right. absolutely okay, right okay. Okay. absolutely yeah. right I, yes that was my that was my fault <laughs> it would be cool though if they made a movie it oh, would yeah. be cool um but one of the things i really love about this sword is in the world of aragon um if with magic you can store magical energy in like precious gems and or stones and aragon um the brissinger sword has a large gem in it that aragon stores a bunch of magical energy in and i just think that's added really cool function for a sword in a world where magic exists like obviously it's going to have its limitations um but it adds on another use for swords aside from just fighting people so yeah awesome Shanine what do you got um Peter's sword from the Chronicles of Narnia mm. uh, yeah gifted to him by Father Christmas um I forgot that <laughs> yeah I don't know I love that it just like calls out an important part of Peter's character and strength and that it shows up in later books as well and always kind of brings him back to himself. And it's very pretty in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what do you got? My first sword is Tentetsuo, or the Sword of Heaven, because it's the basis of Sokka's meteor sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I must put Space Sword on mine, but I, I, I knew it would be on your list. Space Sword! Space Sword. Uh, but specifically, the in real life uh, Japanese blade uh, forged from a Gibeon meteorite, but it's also really pretty. Um, if you were to see it in real life you can find it at the chiba institute of technology but still super cool i'd like to forge a sword from a meteorite someone start collecting <laughs> it's been done it's harder than you think oh i believe it yeah i mean there's there's several examples of of weapons forged from meteors but because you have so much work <laughs> so i'll say knowing that there were no rules for top three Mine are a little out there. So, <laughs> oh boy, uh, everyone means, get ready. According to Deanna in chat, I have brought dishonor on our podcast. 
because I did not include a Lord of the Rings sword and they're going to get crazy. So we're going to start least crazy and then build our way up. Um, so my first one, and I remind you, this is probably the least crazy, is the Omniblade from Mass Effect. And so, <laughs> cool. I'm down for that. Yeah. Um, again, this is the least crazy. So people that have not played um, in Mass Effect, there's the idea of basically this technology that it's a thing that you have on your arm. Um, and then certain people, specifically soldiers, have the ability to like manifest that technology into a blade. The uh, an Omni tool. Yeah. Um, and so it's very cool. It's it's kind of a stand-in from me on my list for all of the like energy-based weapons or energy-based swords. Um, like the one from Halo and. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's that really cool design. It's very simple, um, but I really enjoy it. Um, and so yeah. And there was something just so satisfying about getting an Omni Blade kill in the games. So back up to you, James. All right, number two. Uh, we're back to Lord of the Rings. And this one is going to be a Strider's Ranger Sword. Uh, not Anduril, which he is given in Return of the King in the movies. And of course, I'm sure we've all read the books, so we know that he's given Anduril right off the bat when he's still in uh, Rivendell. But in the movies, he's got this really nice um, long sword and kind of a long sword slice hand and a half. And when I first saw it, I just fell in love with it. It was good looking. It was functional. And it, it kind of fit Viggo Mortensen's portrayal of his own character. You could tell that he'd had this sword for a long time. It was functional, but strong. Um, it was noble looking and you could tell he'd had it for just a long time. And I love the fact that Vigo carried that sword around with him everywhere he went. I mean, to in the car, walking around onset, offset to the restaurant, uh, wherever he went, he even had the police called on him one time because he was just strolling down the road and had this sword on it over his shoulder. And people were like, there's a madman here waving a sword. And He's like, oh, oh, yeah. It just, it just became a part of him, and uh, I liked the sword so much that back after the Fellowship of the Ring came out, when they were making replicas of these swords, uh, there was a local store at the like a, one of those knife stores in the malls that we have all seen, and they had the Lord of the Rings replicas, and they had Strider's Ranger sword on there, and it, oh man, that really tempted me. I really <laughs> wanted that sword. But the problem was I was living, you know, uh, by myself in San Antonio, and um, I didn't have $600 to, to blow on a sword. What? Yeah, when they first came out, that was the price tag on them. I was like, what? You don't have $600 to blow on just whatever sword you want? What's, what, what, what's going okay. on, James? Okay, so I will admit, the, the swords I just showed you, one of them did cost almost $600. But here's the thing. I don't want to spend $600 what what is going to be a wall hanger <laughs> sword. Because, I mean, as good looking as the replica is, the guy told me, it's like, hey, it's cool and all, but it's, you know, it's, you know, cheap materials. It's got a rat tail tang on it. It's not very strong. And I'm like, well, I don't. I'm not going to go swinging it around at anybody, but I mean, that's paying $600 for what is affectionately a, a, a piece of a decoration. It's license fees that you're paying for. Yeah. It's yeah. licensing fees. Yeah. And so would I still like to have one one day to put on the wall? I would. Um, I, I don't know how much they cost now, or even if they're still around. I mean, it's been a long time since the movies came out, but uh, maybe one day, but either way, it's, it was still a great design 
and a beautiful looking sword. So next. My number two is kind of a love-hate relationship or maybe just a guilty pleasure uh, because it's, it, has anybody seen the movie Highlander? Yes. They, have, they have this they have this katana and i i want to use massive air quotes for that this katana that has this ivory handle that is that is intricately carved and is from you know and then they make up history in the movie and you just don't <laughs> listen to that and it's like why does your katana have a straight handle that's so interesting and never mind never mind never mind this is a movie this is a movie we don't care <laughs> Um, and I, I have this love-hate relationship with it because it is really pretty. And it is actually the uh, last year it made movie making history when the movie prop itself apologized to seven Asian cultures for cultural appropriation. Like the, not the makers, the weapon itself <laughs> apologized for existing. Uh, it, it, one of the things that I do like about it is it's it's being held by the Spaniard who is not at all Scottish. And <laughs> he and he is describing where he got it. I'm like, you know, I could imagine some 15th century Spanish noble having talked to a Portuguese merchant about his travels to the Orient. Like, well, yes, I want to claim that I've been to the Orient as well. I shall have one commissioned based on rough description. And that is what you have. And so I, I do I do find something enjoyable about you know, the the crafting of this thing and as a movie prop. And it it's just kind of cool. It is the sword that launched a million replicas, cheap replicas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at one point, haven't we all known someone who had a Highlander replica? Or ogled one in a magazine. Yeah. Probably more so that. Yeah, yeah. definitely me. <laughs> Growing up in that time, most of us were way too young and poor. <laughs> Yeah, at least Mike for my were, group friends. <laughs> Mike, we're dating ourselves. Oh yeah, I was in college and poor, so no, I I know how old I am. I listen to this podcast. I'm like, oh, I'm old, and that's okay. <laughs> we're old too, but just maybe not quite yeah. there yet. <laughs> or at least Cameron and I are. <laughs> Emma, what's your number two? My number two is Rain's Heron Marked Blade from the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it was given to him by his father at the very start of the series. I've mentioned this book series hundreds of times by now. 14 books. Um, Rain goes through several swords through the course of the series, but his Heron Marked Blade was the first one that he had, and it's got... So again, don't know technicalities, but it's got like a two-handed pommel, but then like the blade curves ever so slightly mm -hmm. um, towards the top. Um, and it's really pretty and it's courtesy of its name. It has a heron, a blue heron marked um, towards the base of the blade. And Rand at one point gets, gets a like, almost like a brand of the heron on his hand. Um, but it's just a really cool blade that, leads him on the rest of this story so yeah with with the upcoming tv show coming out Shh. i am i'm praying i'm praying that they because it's such an yeah. integral piece to the story i'm praying that they do the sword justice yeah i just finished book good. five for the first time and i like i'm glad i have a step i'm a step ahead for the series 
Um, but I'm also hoping that they actually do the series justice instead of oh yeah, like just flopping it for the sake of getting those views from that niche group of people. Yeah, so. I'm right there with you. Janine, what's your number two? All right. I will hopefully bring some honor back to the podcast <laughs> and go with Sting. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. It looks good. It seems like it would be a good size for me. Um, <laughs> and if you're not good at sword stuff, it has a really good defense mechanism. So you can just run and hide instead. It glows blue when orcs are about. Mm-hmm. Which seems like something you would use a lot. Like that just seems like something like most swords should have of like these can sense when your enemies are around. Mm-hmm. Should be standard issue. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, oh, what I do know. you got for your number two? My number two is also from Lord of the Rings. Um, going a different route than everyone else has gone, but I'm I picked Herigrim. Um the Rohirrim uh royalty sword. Uh, yeah, so, that was oh, yeah. The Theoden's sword, right? Yep, Theoden well yeah. ultimately finds it again um after it's been hidden away from him. But um yes, it is just I love this sword. Um not only does it fit perfectly for its role um just the design of it is very much dedicated to the rohan and i love it um just mm -hmm. the the two horses heads coming up over the blade um and yeah i love this sword this is probably the first one i might buy uh. <laughs> those weta workshop engineers just knew their business when yeah, they, they were... knocked it out of the park when it came yeah. to all of the weapons in this series and they seriously like, and also like being true to like trying to be like historically accurate in terms of design of what they might have looked like for a medieval period yeah because tolkien was a medievalist they, they released a book called the arms arms and armor of lord of the rings like everything that they made uh, for the movies i still look through that book like i was just looking through the the, the other day it's just so good yeah everything they did such a good job picking with them and then they're, they're still making bank off of everything they used to do for them. <laughs> it's just amazing yeah. everyone's still like yeah Ooh. i want to give a big shout out we just got a raid from strictly casual and so welcome everyone. Ooh. Um, we are doing a um, our normal uh, news episode and we, every week we do a top three. This week we are doing our top three swords um, with our guests, James and Mike from Geek at Arms. And the first rule of top threes is that there are no rules. And so my number two sword is Wheel of Fate, which is the Pirates of the Caribbean Keyblade from Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> And again, nice. we're going on the scale of more realistic to less realistic. So I hope you're ready for my number three. But, um, I can't wait, really. And so Wheel of Fate, um, it's a really cool keyblade. Um, it has um, like the wheel of a pirate ship as the like the the um, tip of the blade. Um, and um, one of the the shticks in Kingdom Hearts three is that your weapons have a thing called form change. 
And so in Kingdom or for Wheel of Fate, it turns into a sphere and then turns into a flag that you then use in combat. Wow. So I hope y'all are ready. I just Google image searched that and that that is some design right there. Yes, it is indeed a keyblade. <laughs> you know, um because <laughs> I know that the characters, it's been a long time since I played any any uh kingdom hearts but i know the characters whenever they go into a certain world they take on characteristics of that world mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. i i just had a moment imagining um goofy as jack sparrow and just looking at where's the, why is the rum gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pirates of the caribbean goofy is pretty great and so like He's not nearly as horrifying as Toy Story Goofy, which is oh, an abomination that does not exist. Um, but yeah, so big shout out to Wheel of Fate. Um, and so with that, James, we'll go back to you. All right. For my number three, I kind of had a either or. But since Mike brought up the Highlander Katana, I am going to, for my number three, William Wallace's Claymore from the movie Braveheart. Now, uh, we've talked a lot about historical accuracy and medieval swords and stuff. Which is why I brought up Wheel of Fate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that one's in the Wallace collection in England. <laughs> um, William Wallace's Claymore is absolutely not a, a medieval sword of the time. Um, nope. there's, yeah, there's, there's enough uh, historical inaccuracies in Braveheart to give a historian a, a nosebleed. It'd be like but, driving a 57 Chevy like through, through Ford's initial 1920 factory. Like, oh, thank you for just assembling this thing yeah. for me. <laughs> I, there, there was, I forget what it was. A, it was speaking for it. It was a Ford commercial where it was like there's a line of red coats and it's obviously a battle at the uh, of the Revolutionary War. And then the the, the you know, the um, uh, the the American army comes over the hill led by a, uh, a Ford Mustang, which is being driven by George Washington and the Redcoats turn and run. That's more historically accurate than parts of Braveheart. I would watch that movie, though. I would. I yeah, would. so would I. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it doesn't matter if it's historical accurate or not. I remember watching Braveheart in the theater when I was like 18 years old. And that movie is what really started putting me on the path of uh, loving of medieval history. That pulled me into like researching my own Scottish roots um, the battle scenes were fantastic. And I just, at one point I'm like, I was so hyped up about it. I'm like, I wanted to charge the screen and just like, yeah, I'm with you. Woo. <laughs> and you know, death to the English. And yeah, I got through thrown out of a theater for that. So don't, don't. <laughs> and not just once. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I look at that movie with like rose colored glasses. Um, it's just a big brutish sword and it's wielded uh, very entertainingly by a kilted Mel Gibson and um, <laughs> and which which would make anyone laugh. Um, but uh, it's always one that I found to be fun. And I kind of looked at it as like my my gateway movie that pulled me into the world of, of medieval history and medieval swords and armor. And so that's why it makes my number three. I'm uh, James. I really can't believe that you would take something so historically inaccurate for your number three, because mine is going to bring it all the way back with uh, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber from uh, A New Hope, 1977. 
Um, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, this is just a wonderful prop. Uh, it's, it's delightfully made. It looks like I would not want to try to hold on to this thing and actually fight with them and props to them for actually doing it. But the thing is just glorious. And also, lightsabers are cool. I, I've got nothing else after that. They're just too amazing. Speaking of delightfully made, my third is the Master Blade from Legend of Zelda. Yes! Almost entirely because it's pretty and I would have fun <laughs> cutting grass with it of all things and smashing pots because I could give me your flower pots <laughs> this sword is way overpowered for this but I'm going to use it anyway I've gotten thrown out of more pottery shops for that anyway later later <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's my the third choice Um, so honestly, I was having such a hard time coming up with swords. I like couldn't think of anything. And then I was looking at online lists of movie swords and I was like, I have seen like two of these movies. And so one just occurred to me as we were talking and it is the Sword of Truth from the Sword of Truth series by Terry Goodkind. Um, the sword gets passed down to a seeker who is all about uncovering the truth and uh, defending the truth. And the sword kind of has a light side and a dark side. Um, kind of Richard can channel his anger through it and bring like total destruction. Um, but um, a few books into the series, it was also discovered that he could channel his love through it and bring mercy through his sword as well. My last one is kind of a twofer. Um, and it's mostly, it's on my list because obviously I was watching Yasuhime and just had to relive some of the Yasha time. So the Tesaiga and Tensaiga. Um, so respectively, uh, Sushumaru's and Inuyasha's blades, uh, forged from his father's fangs, <laughs> their father's fangs. <laughs> um, but, uh, Tessaiga, Inuyasha's weapon, obviously big, bulky, um, cast down wind to find definitely more defensive versus the sleek and slender Tensaiga, definitely designed for more offensive attacks. Um, at least in that series, I don't know what the, <laughs> um, I just remember those amazing battles and also just it's a cool looking if, if, if it was feasible that'd be a really cool sword to be carrying around <laughs> okay I hope y'all are ready for this it's so, the discs from Tron isn't it um, oh I'm gonna change my number three um, <laughs> Chunk the Hut guessed that it was gonna be Aang's air glider um, <laughs> but it is not Aang's air glider. It's like a um, sword. Come on, there's not yeah. even a blade on that thing. <laughs> and so mine is the Blaze Fire Saber, which is Lightning's gun blade from Kingdom or from Kingdom Hearts from Final Fantasy 13. Oh wow! So the whole shtick for Lightning's weapons in this game is that they literally fold up and turn into guns somehow without like shish kebabbing anyone um but i love the blaze fire saber um 
super impractical. Um, but I love the fact that like it is a functional gun blade. Um, and, um, it also, you know, just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big fan of that. No, gun uh, blades were actually a thing. Like no yeah. joke. But yeah, it, the it, Final it, Fantasy period. 13 gunblade is very unique, though. <laughs> no, no. Well, I think if you're playing Final Fantasy, you have to be prepared for some suspension of, I mean, of belief. Fantasy there. Yeah. Like I just yeah. remember Cloud's weapon, um, or the later weapon. Eventually, they show it in the movie where it's actually a sword that consists of eight separate swords <laughs> that you could tear apart and wield as individual swords. I love that. <laughs> Actually, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, that'd be so cool. That'd be so heavy, though, if that was real. <laughs> um, so that brings us to the end of our top three. I want to actually give... no, because since there are no rules and we're talking about multiple blades, I'm going to bring in the one that actually should have been at the top of all of our lists, and that is the sword from the 1982 Sword and the Sorcerer. I am dating oh myself with this gosh. movie. Mike, Mike's already there with me. This is a uh, don't don't bother watching this movie, any of you. There's absolutely no reason for any Step of you to watch stuff. this. Just go to YouTube and look up, you know, the tri- the triple bladed sword from the Sword and the Sorcerer. Yes, it is a sword with three blades on it. Why three? Because it's a show. It's a sword that shoots swords. Okay, right. I'm in. <laughs> we also have a couple shout outs from uh from chat um the divine axe or i guess it's an axe technically so but we're gonna give it to him mentions escanor's uh divine axe rita <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah from the seven deadly sins yep from seven deadly sins love that <laughs> i love escanor <laughs> and then we also got a shout out and i had scrolled to it and now i lost it um for the, oh there it is um, just James Daly for the energy sword from Halo. Um, we got a handful of shout outs, ones from Cheesy Play. And then I think the game Tographers also said Buster Sword. Um, yeah, that thing is iconic. Yes, absolutely. The Buster Sword, it truly is. And then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see one person said the Sword of Omens from uh, Thundercats. That, oh! that nearly made my list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, it's funny because I just took a look in chat and I was thinking today, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to get so much crap if nobody says Excalibur. (laughs) Oh boy. So my my wife is here with her Excalibur prop that she made. um, I'm in chat, but now I'm here. (laughs) Oh, so you made um, that? Well done. So she made this um, for. um, Holy cow. I was Kaylee. Yeah, she was Kaylee from. Quest for Camelot. Quest for Camelot. Yeah. And oh, she yeah, made yeah. this for a cosplay contest. Oh my gosh. Like tell show her, that bad boy if, off. I mean, if really. She, if she can't hear us, tell her well done. Well done yeah, indeed. Yeah, the scab- yeah. the scabbard too. Solid work. <laughs> Nicely done. Nice. I need to make Chris's space sword like this. Yeah. Okay, we'll get you some meteorite. We'll we'll make this happen. <laughs> They're gonna get you some meteorite to make it with. Yeah. <laughs> make it legit. um yeah and so that was a big one that's really cool and and shout out a handful of people one of which was my wife we're talking about why is excalibur not on any of our lists it's too Um, cliche yeah yeah 
Um, I'm a little worried that I'm seeing a lot more than a few people in the chat who said I've never seen Lord of the Rings. That worries me. That 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 hurts me on a deep personal level. It's because the movie's 20 years old, dude. I mean, shut up, shut up Mike. Shut up. Nope, nope. It's real. It's real, dude. And so it really is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yep. No, wait. Didn't the Fellowship come out in 2001? Never mind. <laughs> and then let's see. Also in chat, we got a shout out for the, I'm going to probably massacre this, the Samehada, which is from Naruto. Um, and so I had to look that one up. It has like a mouth on the end. It looks really cool. I, I did not watch far enough into Naruto to have seen this, but, um, but yeah. So we got some other great ones in chat. Sokka sword. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so um we got a why didn't boomerang make any of our lists oh boomerang um, it always comes back <laughs> and so with that um next week we are also going to be having a guest on the podcast chris if you want to introduce what that's going to be still maybe a little tentative we haven't re finalized everything but that's when his availability is so hopefully we'll have um tiktoker the bearded bard um on the show next week fingers crossed and we'll be discussing our top three bards yes and so if they're not able to make it next week we will postpone top three bards and do a different top three but um wanted to give that shout out and get that going and then as we get into our post show geek at arms guys once again i want to just give you all the chance if y'all want to plug where people can find your podcast um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we are Geek at Arms, and you can find us at geekatarms.com, at Facebook, at facebook.com slash geekatarms, and you can find us on Twitter at armsgeek. And uh, reach out, more than happy to, mm -hmm. more than happy to talk with, with y'all. I'd like to plug our next episode uh, in the coming week. Uh, we're going to have episode uh, 35 will be released where Brian, Mike, and I ha also have a special guest on. Uh, Mike, Delma, just give me a, a, a hint of, uh, real quickly who that's going to be. Uh, that is going to be Eric Troutman, who is a longtime RPG developer. He's a comic artist. He's, he's actually all over the Geekosphere. And he is uh, coming to talk to us about, about his career and about his new book, Every Star a Destination. That's awesome. For our listeners, you can find us on our social media, which is OneGeek411, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then you can also join our Discord. And then um, you can chat with us or send us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. Um, you can watch live, as many people are doing right now, on Twitch and be part of the post-show chat. And then um, you can also find our videos over on our YouTube. And then if you're a podcast listener, you can find... Um, Find, rate, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or head over to our website, onegeek411.com, where you can find our sister podcast, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust. And then you can find us on our personal social medias. Mine is Humar Whittle. We never prop this art. No. Mine is I am not prepared with an eye. I'm the Hoot and Howl on Twitter and Hoot and Howl Tales, T-A-L-E-S, on Instagram. 
and I'm not so foreign. That's N O T S O four E I G N. Wash your hands. <laughs> I love you. Don't play with knives. This is all. Play with swords. We'll teach you how. <laughs>